It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And Cavaliers have begun their preseason schedule. Unfortunately, losing both of their games to start the season, including a close one last night to Atlanta. That would be Thursday night, October 12th. Um, Chris, I've read a little bit of your impressions of the um, of the preseason thus far, how the Cavaliers are looking, what things are a little bit different. But maybe you can inform us, you know, what exactly is going on and what you've seen from the Cavaliers in these preseason games and the little bit that we've gotten to see um, thus far. I think the thing that stands out to me, look, it's preseason, right? And it's hard to make too much about what you see in preseason. And it's hard to make too much about what you hear in training camp. But when what you see backs up what is being said, then I think you start to really dig deeper into it, right? And everything that the Cavs have said, Hayden, since losing in the first round series against New York and learning from that series against New York is we're going to be different. And then the follow-up question, of course, is how? In what way are you going to be different? And J.B. Bickerstaff, he made a commitment this offseason to change the offense. And it has been a drastic change. And again, it's got to continue throughout the course of the regular season. And there has to be a full-on commitment from the players um, to buy into this new-look offense and this enhanced system. But the first couple of preseason games have shown that commitment. They have shown that this isn't just training camp talk. They are going out and they are playing a different kind of style. They're pushing the pace. They're making quicker decisions. Um, They're sprinting out in transition, following misses and makes. Um, They're shooting more three-pointers. They're getting Evan Mobley involved more on the offensive end so that they don't have to be so reliant on the pick and roll the way that they were last year. Um, They're sharing the basketball. There's movement away from the basketball. They're getting to their secondary actions when the first actions are covered up or stymied by the opposing defense. That's what it's going to take, Hayden, for this team to evolve and take that next step. They're going, they know this. They know based on what happened in the playoff series against New York when they averaged 94 points per game in those five games. They know that if they're going to take the next step as an organization, if they're going to win a first-round playoff series and be more competitive in a seven-game series, their offense needs to be much better than it was last year. It needs to be more diverse than it was last year. It needs to be better disguised than it was last year. And it's early. 
It's only training camp, only the preseason, but it looks that way. That's exactly what they were hoping for and what, exactly what you said. You know, it's one thing to say it in, in, in preseason media availabilities and the other thing to put it into practice. And I think, obviously, if they're doing that, um, definitely a welcome sight. But I think, you know, there's still plenty of room um, for them, for us to see. I mean, you know, it is the preseason. There's still some things that they're certainly ironing out and getting better at. Um, yep. And as we saw last season, it's, it's a work in progress for sure. But I think another year of like Donovan Mitchell and Darius working together, another year of this offense pretty much as a whole kind of working together and added to Max Struess. I mean, that should obviously help them to kind of be able to to know each other better and to, and to really get this offense in a year. I think that's a good point. And I think, you know, when we talked about throughout the course of the offseason, just where the Cavs stand in the Eastern Conference, it was before Dame went to Milwaukee and it was before Boston got Drew Holiday. But one of the things that we talked about with the Cavs is, you know, many of the growing pains that they had to go through in the first year of Donovan Mitchell, um, all of the teams, well, many of the teams at the top of the Eastern Conference are about to go through those same growing pains. Like Kristaps mm-hmm. Porzingis is a different style player that Boston is going to have to learn to play alongside. Um, you talk about the the other teams at the top of the East and like Philadelphia has some things that they were going to have to figure out with within the construct of, of their system. And they're going to have a new system because they have a new head coach and they're going to have a new playing style because they have a new head coach. And now Milwaukee has to integrate Dame and figure out how it works with him and Giannis together. And you can sit there and you can say, well, you know, all these guys are really, really talented. Talent is going to take over. These things take time, Hayden. The Cavs, when they built their big three, as formidable as it was, as devastating as it was, there were some bad habits that Kyrie Irving and the organization needed to shake. And by the way, they started 19 and 20. When LeBron joined up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh in Miami, they started eight and nine. So the growing pains were already felt by the Cavs, and they had to find a way to navigate those. The other Eastern Conference teams are going to have to deal with them this year. So I do think that this offense, just because Darius and Donovan have played more together just because Donovan has played alongside Jared Allen, gotten that pick and roll chemistry, played alongside Evan Mobley, gotten that pick and roll chemistry. Like those things that they went through last year, that they learned about each other last year, I think are only going to benefit them coming into this season. And their rise as an offensive team isn't entirely predicated on new personnel. It isn't entirely predicated on this new system that is going to play to the strengths of a lot of these guys on this roster. It's predicated on the fact that they don't have as much that they need to work through individually um, that they did last year. How, um, how difficult do you envision it being for them to get uh, Max Drews kind of involved? It doesn't seem like um, it would be as hard as maybe a more ball dominant guy like a Darius or a Darius or a Donovan, but a guy like uh, Max Drews, who's maybe a little bit more off the ball, um, how, how, how are things going in that department and how quick do you think they will be to get him really involved in the, in the right way? I think the best way that I can say it based on the things that we've seen, um, the, the, the minimal things that we have seen in training camp and what we saw in the first two preseason games is you see signs and you can, you can kind of like see the picture coming together and you know what it's supposed to look like. 
but it's blurred, right? right? Like it's not entirely in focus. So you see some of these offensive sets that they're trying to run with Max and how those are going to be effective and how Darius and Donovan are going to benefit from the space that he provides and how defenses are going to have a very, very difficult time guarding the Cavs and making pick your poison decisions because he's spotted up in the corner or because he's running off of a screen or because there's an action between him and Darius or him and Donovan. And it's like, what do you do as a defender? Do you close in on Donovan or do you stay connected to Max? If you stay connected to Max, what does that mean for Donovan? So all of those things, you can see signs of it. It's just they have to continue to work through those things. I don't think it's going to be as hard because Max isn't somebody who's going to have the ball in his hands constantly. He's not going to be a high-usage player. The same thing when it comes to George Niang. Um, but like, it's a different kind of player than Donovan and Darius are used to playing with. right? They didn't have that kind of player who provides some off-ball movement, who cuts the way that he does, who runs dribble handoffs with bigs, um, who can allow them to, to use different offensive sets that cater to his movement style. Like, that didn't exist in the Cavs offense last year because Isaac Okoro wasn't that kind of player, right? Karis LeVert wasn't that kind of player. Lamar Stevens wasn't that kind of player. Jetty Osman had a little bit of that in his game, but he was in and out of the rotation. So stylistically, I think Darius Donovan and all these other guys just have to get used to when Max is going to move, when he's going to be stationary, um, where he likes the ball, all those different things. But again, like you said, I, I do think it's an easier transition because it's not a high usage ball dominant star player like what Milwaukee's trying to do with Giannis and Dame. Yeah. And because I don't think like when it came to Darius and Donovan, it was interesting because like I don't want this to come across the wrong way. But there were some on-court conflicts just because stylistically they succeed the same kind of way. Right. You know what I mean? Like Max right. Struess is different than Donovan. He's different than Darius. So possessions and touches aren't going to be at the expense of the other. At times, Donovan touches, Donovan running the offense was at the expense of Darius running the offense and things along those lines. Yeah, even so, though, it didn't seem last season like the transition was painful much. Donovan um, had a career year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Darius' right. numbers were right on par with what he did when he was an all-star, so I agree. Right, so it wasn't, so, I mean, you know, add that to the fact that you're not really bringing anybody else. I don't think it's going to be that much of a transition. I think they started, I think they won, like, five in a row at the, at the seven. beginning of last year, seven in a row last year as well, so... um yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the problem with the Cavs last year really had nothing to do with the regular season. It was <laughs> regular season was really damn good, uh, and and they, yeah. they, you know, the transitions weren't weren't difficult, and uh, Darius and Donovan got along well, and everything was going great, and then they just hit this, uh, they just got all their flaws exposed in one series in the postseason, so or in the postseason. So that was, I guess, that's kind of what's going to make this year even more interesting. Is that it's not even it, yes, it is about the regular season. Yes, it is. Like it is. It's about the regular season. It's about winning games in the regular season. It's about um, you know, getting to the postseason, getting a good seed. But like for the Cavs, I think they're they're um, going to be judged on what they do in the postseason. So if it takes a little longer for Max Struess to get involved or get you know comfortable, whatever, I don't think it'll have that too yeah. much of an impact. Especially, and this is a good transition, when you have four guys 
um, I think all four were in the top 50 of the NBA rank mm-hmm. on, your start, on your starting lineup. Um, Jared Allen, I think, was the last. I think he was number 50. He was. He number 50. And then you had Evan Mobley and Darius Garland and then Donovan Mitchell. So four of your five starters are in the top 50 in the NBA. That's pretty damn good. I would also like to point out that Jared Allen is in the top 50 of all NBA players, according to ESPN <laughs> rank. Yeah. Yep. And yet the entire city of Cleveland wants him traded off the team. I think it just took a while to get the bad taste out of the mouth, Chris, because it, <laughs> it, I mean, he was, he was horrific and he admitted he was horrific. He was. And then he, yep. and he, then he made the comment about the lights being too bright and it yep. just, it all did not go well. And I think, Again, we've talked about this. I think Jarrett, you know, has a very big shoes to fill. If he's going to, you know, yes, he's a top 50 player in the NBA. But, like, in terms of the fans, yes, I think they've forgotten a little bit. They're excited about the new season. But also, mm-hmm. like, they remember. So it's on Jarrett to be better and to, you know, make them love him again. Because he was a very lovable player and he was a very exciting player before that Knicks series. And then everything kind of just really got toxic there for a minute. Um And it's going to be his job to kind of remove that toxicity from the situation again. I would also point out that there are different matchups that different players are going to struggle in. It's just the reality of life in the NBA. Yeah. Right. Like Paul Millsap and Al Horford a number of years ago were all star caliber players for Atlanta Hawks. They ran into Tristan Thompson. They didn't look like all stars. Stylistically, Tristan was the kind of guy that gave them a world of trouble. That didn't mean that those guys sucked. It didn't take away from the things that they had accomplished throughout the course of their career or in the regular season. It's just stylistically, Tristan Thompson was kryptonite for them. Yep. Um, Jaron Allen was always going to struggle against Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson is an elite offensive rebounder. Mitchell Robinson is more physical, more mature. He can jump higher. All those different things. He's more active on the glass. There are, I'm just saying, there are certain centers that are going to give Jared Allen problems. But don't overlook what he means to this team offensively and defensively. Don't just take one bad matchup against the Knicks and project that as if Jared Allen is some kind of problem or the Cavs core four doesn't work properly or the Cavs can't advance out of the first round with Jared Allen as their starting center, however you want to phrase it. Um, it just, there are certain things that because of that series, he had to work on this off season. There are different things that he focused on this off season, but he is so integral Hayden to everything they do at both ends of the floor. And JP Vickerstaff even talked about it a little bit after last night's preseason game against the magic. Um, you know, the Cavs went out this offseason and they acquired Damian Jones and they like Damian Jones and they feel like his skill set is relatively similar to Jarrett and he can do some of the things that Jarrett can do. But when he's not on the floor, like they can't function the same way defensively because what makes them so special defensively, Hayden, is that they've got two defensive player of the year caliber players anchoring the paint. You take one of those out of the mix and it changes the equation. It changes how you function. The thing that made them so good in terms of their pick and roll last year. Yeah. Part of it's 
Darius Garland's an elite pick and roll player and Donovan Mitchell's an elite pick and roll player. But Jared Allen is an elite pick and roll big. He's one of the best pick and roll bigs in the league. If you take that out of the equation and you switch it to Evan Mobley or you switch it to Damian Jones, no matter how much other talent the Cavs have around it, they don't have the same offensive fulcrum to make that go the same kind of way. So all I'm saying is grass isn't always greener. And when you have four of the top 50 players in the NBA, I wouldn't be in that much of a rush to offload one of those guys, especially when you're not going to get equal value back in return. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I'm not on the trade Jared, Jared Allen bandwagon anymore. I think at one point I was kind of leaning that direction because <laughs> it just you're seems very, like, very emotional. Well, yeah, but it just it also didn't <laughs> seem like it didn't seem like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline maybe you didn't need him and Jared admit him and Evan Mobley is kind of my point too. Like that was part of it. Like, okay. Yeah. Like Jared's not that bad. And, and it was just a bad series, but also like, could you get a grip better wing if you traded yeah, yeah, him? Yeah. And, you know, so sure. it, I think there was some sense in that too, but now that you brought in Max Truce and, and I think this is a good opportunity for Jared Allen to prove himself, to prove that he is the all-star that he's played like to prove that, you know, that he that it was a bad matchup and this isn't something that's going to continue. And I think him, you're right. I think him being a top 50 player in the NBA, according to the NBA rank is a, is a big deal. And I think um, he's just going to have to earn back that trust from fans. I think that's the, mm-hmm. the reality of it. Um, but I, from the team, I think he has that trust and I think that's great. And I think that's why he'll, you know, why he's going to be just fine. He's going to be in that starting lineup and they're going to be uh, ready for him to rock this season. Does his role change though this year? I mean, given, is he... I don't know, maybe with the added offense, is he going to play a little differently than he has in the past? Well, you know, Hayden, I think the way that I've been always phrasing this is that part of the reason why the Cavs played the way that they did for the last couple of years was personnel-based. And I think what you're going to see more this year because there, there is capable personnel to allow this to happen, I think you are going to see longer stretches of games where it's not Jarrett and Evan together. I think those guys are going to be separated more. I think Evan Mm. is going to be the primary backup center. And I think you're going to see Niang with Evan. I think you're going to see Niang with with Allen. And having a floor-spacing big man at the power forward spot, I think is going to open things up for Jarrett um, and this entire offense. I think it's going to open things up for Evan and this entire offense. But but I think the Cavs are going to try the best they can to have three slash four shooters on the court as much as they possibly can get away with, even if that means taking a small step back on the defensive end of the floor. Um, so because of that, I do think Jarrett's going to be more involved offensively. I think they're going to give him opportunities to be an offensive hub similar to Evan Mobley, where he can use his passing, his vision his decision-making and his playmaking. He has worked on that throughout the course of this offseason. The Cavs urged him to work on that throughout the course of this offseason. 
So I don't think his evolution is going to be start taking more jumpers, start um, drifting out to the three-point line. I think it's going to be, can you make plays in four-on-three situations? Can you make plays out of the pocket? Can you be an offensive hub to take pressure off of Darius and Donovan and allow those guys to play a little bit more off the ball and create movement from that? So I do think his role is going to be somewhat different. In saying all of that, the reason why he's a great player, the reason why he's such a great fit for the Cavs is because of how he runs the pick and roll with guards, because of how um, much of a lob threat he is, because of the vertical spacing that he can create. And then on the defensive end, he's one of the elite rim protectors in the game. None of those things should change all that much. It should be an enhancement, an addition to his responsibilities as opposed to a subtraction. I think you make a great point. And I think the Cavaliers would do a smart thing in, in kind of separating Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, the evolution of Evan Mobley is to net is to one day kind of reach out that that three point line and become that kind of a stretch big. Um, right. But at the time, it's really not there yet. And I think that does create spacing issues. So when you do have those guys on the floor, they can certainly work it out. But I think it does make more sense to allow a guy like Jared Allen to have a guy like Niang or to have a guy like Evan Mobley to have a guy, you know, to have other players that um, kind of suit their skill sets better, and maybe open up that floor a little more. So I think that that's actually maybe, you know, that's kind of even further cements the point that why they can play together, because maybe they don't need to play together all the time at the right. same time. But you can obviously, you know, switch them in and out and they can bring you similar things on the defensive end, but offensively um, can help you in different ways. But I said this on a podcast earlier today, a different podcast that I did. If you're going to break those two up for stretches throughout the course of the game, or if you're going to break up Darius and Donovan through stretches, then you have to be gaining something, right? There has to be a reason behind that. And if you think about last year, there wasn't really any logical path to the Cavs splitting up Jared and Evan for those long stretches because they didn't have somebody like Niang. At the time that they had Kevin Love, Kevin was playing like one of the worst players in the entire NBA. He couldn't yeah. shoot. He was a liability on defense. And they just weren't a good team with him off the court. So you say to yourself, well, take one of them off the court, move the other one to center, and put somebody else at power forward. Who? Right? Yeah. If it wasn't going to be Kevin because he was struggling, Lamar Stevens? Like, is there right. a benefit to the Cavs playing Lamar Stevens and Evan Mobley together? Is there a benefit to the Cavs playing Dean Wade and Evan Mobley together? Given they the thought maybe, Dean? but... I mean, in theory, sure, but Dean was hurt and he wasn't playing well and his confidence was wrecked in the second half of the season. Jetty Osman couldn't play power forward. He couldn't hold up in those kinds of matchups. So I think there were times, Hayden, that the Cavs wanted to split up Jarrett and Evan a little bit more and have Evan be that backup center, but they just didn't have the right piece to play next to him in the front court where they felt like they were benefiting um, enough to actually run out that kind of look. Yeah, it makes sense. And you're right, Kevin was playing poorly last year and got off to right. a really rough start with the... That would have obviously helped things out as well, but I think George Nyang can kind of be a Kevin Love-type player. Sure. Um, for this Cavaliers team as that kind of stretch, veteran stretch four, if you will. Um, Cavs have two. And here's the thing too, Hayden. Go ahead. I mean, we have to put this out there. If Dean Wade is healthy and confident and not dealing with the shoulder injury that he was dealing with in the second half of the season, 
like theoretically he could be that kind of guy too. So if Niang is not giving the Cavs the offense, if he's not knocking down the shots, they could turn to Dean and see like, Hey, is this season going to be different? Because if you remember at the beginning of last season, he was great. Individually, he was playing extremely well. And a lot of numbers pointed to him being one of their most effective individual players and him being part of some of their most effective lineups. So that's like another layer to this whole thing. I know why they went out and got George Niang. I know the skill set that he brings to the table. But in theory, Dean Wade has that same kind of skill set. And if he's effective enough, that also allows the Cavs to go away from um, the two bigs, Evan and Jarrett, together and not lose as much size because Dean is a legitimate six foot ten. Right. Right. I mean, they would love for Dean Wade to give them, you know, what they kind of wanted last year at times. Uh, it'd be very welcome. Gave him um, a three year that... extension for a reason, right? I mean, exactly. <laughs> this isn't a team that's in the business of just handing out contract extensions. Right. You're exactly right. Um, Cavaliers have two more preseason games left. Uh, one against Maccabi. Now, I, you know, I'm the queen or the king, whatever you want to call me, of um, no idea of pronunciations. It's got to be Ra'anana. It's got to be. There's no other way to pronounce that, right? Maccabi Ra'anana. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be that. Okay. Well, I just figured I'd ask you first because I do butcher (laughs) names a lot. Maccabi Ra'anana. Yes. Okay, so that'll be Maccabi Ra'anana on uh, Monday. And then they play the Pacers on Friday. And then, boom, regular season, Wednesday, October 25th, ready to rock. So, Chris, what are you looking for in those last two preseason games? More of the same thing with the offense. Um, Obviously, the the Maccabi Ra'anana. Ra-Anana game um, brings a little bit of a different thing, not an NBA team. Yeah. So um, what are you looking for? Yeah, I think just a continuation of the principles that they're trying to instill this year. Um, it's about an evolution, right? It's about yeah. continuing to learn each other. Um, and there hasn't been a lot of time together. It's been about a week, a little more than that in training camp. It's been two preseason games. So it's just building on the new things at NBA speed against that kind of competition. And I think the other thing, Hayden, is similar to what you saw from preseason game one to preseason game two, it's just continuing to experiment with different lineup combinations. Mm -hmm. Because I always say this, you can sit there in your head and say to yourself, no, no, this isn't going to work, or yes, yes, it is going to work. And you just don't actually know until you put it out there in a game situation in competition against players that aren't studying for it on a daily basis. You know what I mean? It's one thing for the Cavs to have it work in training camp on the practice floor, but you got to see it in live action. So I think continuing to mix and match, continuing to change up the lineups and the rotations, continue to try and find different combinations that are going to be successful for you, continuing to find different pet sets that you can go to in critical situations of games that to me and stay healthy. Those things to me are um, most important for the Cavs over the final couple of games of the preseason. Um, Any update on how long guys are going to play, who's going to play a kind of similar deal that it's been the first couple of games will guys rest before then. Everything is about ramping up to the regular season. That's what JB Bickerstaff has said repeatedly throughout training camp, Donovan Mitchell played 28 minutes um, 
last night against the Magic. That was the most of any player on either team. I got to believe that one of these next two games, Donovan's not going to play at all. Yeah, I would think. I don't know which one. Obviously, Monday would be a logical one for him to miss. But, you know, the final preseason game usually turns into a bunch of guys trying to fight for a roster spot that are out there and playing. Maybe the Cavs change up um, their decision making when it comes to their lineups from last year. But one of these next two, I got to believe that Donovan's not going to play at all. Um, And some of these end of roster guys are going to get a real fighting chance to show can they stick on the team? Can they get noticed for another team? Um, can they be emergency guys if injuries, if foul trouble, things along those lines? Um, as for Jared Allen, don't expect him to play at all in the preseason. Right. But every indication that I've gotten um, since the announcement of his injury is that him returning for the, the season opener is a real possibility, and at this point, it's more likely than not that he's actually back there. Now, these are tricky, right, because setbacks yeah. happen, and things can take a long time to heal, but but that's the hope, and that's the belief right now from the Cavs. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to hope or believe in terms of injuries right now. Um, I get it. As we, as we sit here in Berea. Um, it's, it's sports, man. <laughs> These teams it do is. not want to reveal the truth about anything. I and then know. when they do, they try to be a little bit more transparent. You get what happens to Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, it's just, it's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, Jared Allen, hopefully back as soon as possible on the floor for the Cavaliers. They have two more preseason games, like I said, Monday the 16th against Ra'anana Maccabi. Um, or Maccabi. No, I think it's Maccabi. I'm 99% sure it's Maccabi. I'm quite Nin- certain it's Maccabi. Maccabi, okay. 99% sure it's Maccabi. Um, Maccabi Ra'anana on Monday the 16th, and then October 20th, they'll be in Indiana, taking on the Pacers in Indianapolis. So, very shortly here, it will be the regular season for the Cavaliers, starting Wednesday, October 25th, 7.30 p.m. against the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. Until then, be sure to sign up for Chris's subtext. 14-day 14, uh, 14 free trial, three ninety nine a month. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and enter your phone number. You'll be sent all kinds of great news analysis, insights, and straight to your phone before anywhere else. Um, you will get the info before it goes to Twitter, before it goes to X, before it goes to Instagram, wherever. Wherever the news is, it's going straight to your phone first. So $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click, click the blue banner at the top of the page. Until then, thanks for joining us. Chris, I know you got to, uh, to wake up a napping boy. So have a great rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We'll talk to you later.